Marvelites who are listening to Marvel's pull list for new Marvel comics on sale August 10th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. And hopping in today, my name is Amy Dallin. I am very excited to be a guest here on the podcast and so psyched to talk about some Marvel comics with y'all. Yeah, Amy, thank you for being our guest host for today. Uh, Amy, give us and our listeners some background on you and and, uh, why you're here talking Marvel Comics with us. I have been talking about comics in real life and the internet for many, many years. Uh, I worked at a shop for 13 years, and I've also hosted shows and podcasts and streams and other things, celebrating the joy of comics for many years, which I'm very proud of. And these days, I like to mix it up with some role-playing games because I work over at D. D&D Beyond. So if y'all would like to also talk about some Dungeons and Dragons, Ooh. I am very ready. I'm a aspiring D&Der. <gasps> so any tips on how to get into it, like, please help me out. I already bought my dice. Perfect first step. Uh, Great. Those are the most dangerous words you can say to me. Uh, it is, it, it's very similar to being a comic book fan where somebody's like, would Great. I like to read? And we just emerge from the shadows being like, yes. Okay. What do you like? <laughs> Let's do this. Great, we'll talk after the show. And of course, we're going to have the Marvel multiverse role-playing game uh, in the future. So I'm sure there's much more to get excited about when it comes to tabletop role-playing games and all that stuff. And if you are just joining us here on Marvel's Pull List, we're going to run you through all the brand new Marvel comics on this week, the books that are on sale. We're going to give our picks, each of us, as one book we are going to stand for, but then we're also going to just like hype each other's picks because we like comics. And then we're going to give out an award, give that award to all the other books out this week. We're going to tell you what's out this week from a collection standpoint, trades and hardcovers. We'll tell you what's on Marvel Unlimited, our wonderful subscription service, including the new Infinity Comics, those scrolling vertical comics that we love so much. And even, even, even more because we have a reading club. Jasmine, who's our guest? What are we talking about this week? Because this week's installment of Spider-Mog features Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez, the duo known for their uh, Spider-Woman comics and the amazingly new entry into the Spider-Family, Spider-X. Um, all right, let's get into things and just go right into our picks of the week. Jasmine, you want to kick us off? Yeah, because first up, we have Axe Judgment Day, issue number two, and it's written by Kieran Gillen, art by Valero Schitti, Colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and I want to quickly shout out the cover by Tom Riley, um, which is easily my favorite because it's a Namor variant cover. Cute doesn't do it justice. It's like such a like <laughs> subtle art, and it just I don't know. There's a lot going on there, and I'm just like Namor is just hiding behind like a little like underwater like sunken ship. Uh, he's holding on to like the little like window bars or looking behind the window bars, and like the colors are just spectacular. Like. But this is issue number two in the of the giant summer Judgment Day event. And right away, we get introduced to six new characters who are, for all we know, just regular human beings across like the world. Uh, but as the narrator narrates in this story, all of those characters are playing a vital role in this. And they have something to do with Judgment Day. I'm very curious to see where that goes. Um, But in this issue, we get to see what ended up happening at the end of Immortal X-Men, where we saw the last like page where we had Exodus fighting one of the giant eternal beasts that have been summoned uh, throughout the the world. The Hex. Hex. Yes. And when you start reading it, you forget some of the like the nuances to what's going on in the story. And so like it's it's a gut punch when you like flip the page after that battle ends and you're like, oh, that's right. Damn it. Um, so this story is insane and it's just, it keeps getting wilder and wilder. We see things like Mr. Sinister and Tony Stark working together. Uh, we get to see Nightcrawler like fighting it in the middle of action. We see everything from like destiny, uh, predicting some outcomes or like at least hinting at some particular outcomes. And then we get to see Cyclops and Captain America interact for like a minute. And it's probably one of the most awkward conversations that they have. Um, cause they're both like, Hey, we're in the middle of this war, but we need to talk cause you guys have been keeping some secrets. And when you think, you know, where it's going to go, it just completely like shifts and goes in the opposite direction. You're like, Oh crap. Like this is, this is a lot bigger and a lot like more nuanced than I thought it was originally. So cool. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. Valerio got to give kudos to drawing the sinister clones that are doing mm-hmm. some work for sinister wearing overalls. I just big beautiful. 
There are so many beautiful tiny elements uh you know it's the the big beats in the story are what are going to stay with me but the small ones i think are are also just going to be indelible like of the six people that we meet the kid who uh names his like changes his name in his favorite shooter he gets banned for insensitivity for referencing real world current events and i was just like that is the most heartbreakingly realistic beautiful tiny it is funny so detail. realistic yeah <laughs> um, he changes it to hex blaster there we go that's going to stick with me, as will, I don't want to get too spoilery, but some of the other things we learn about those six over the course of this issue. And I also have to give a shout out to Carol showing up and helping out in the fight uh, and going, something this big shouldn't be intangible half the time. That's actively <laughs> rude. <laughs> it's very rude. Yeah. Uh, tons of great moments. This is our big summer blockbuster, and it is fulfilling all the things that we want from it. That last page, too, is... Rad and very, oh very ominous. Yes. I think that it makes this issue very much unskippable because we're like, oh, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Up next. You got it, Amy. What's your pick? I got to pick the next one. And I'm very excited that it fell on this week because I'm going to shout out the end of something. Uh, but I, my pick this week is Captain Carter number five. And that is, of course, the conclusion of the miniseries from writer Jamie McKelvey, uh, who we all know as a fabulous artist, but apparently can just do all the jobs. Um, artist Mark Cresta, colorist uh, Matt Miller, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, cover artist Jamie McKelvey. Uh, this has been a really, really, really cool miniseries. It's obviously a, a version of events where Peggy became Captain Carter, uh, went into the ice, came back out, but it is a really interesting grappling with a lot of the issues that motivate the best Captain America stories, which is if you stood for something for your country of which you are very proud for a good cause um, and you awaken in a different time where history has moved forward in certain ways that make you reflect differently on some elements of of when you like that make the best use out of the man or woman out of time concept to sort of say, all right, what does it mean to stand for this nation? What do I really understand to be true about it? And this is going to be kind of a theme with this week's books, actually. Um, but this series does that examination from Peggy as a citizen of the, the modern United Kingdom, which is unfrozen, um, as she's sort of learning about the world she's awoken to and reflecting on where she came from um, and standing up, obviously, to foil a fantastic plot as we should through cool action and a really wonderful, I I loved the infiltration sequence because Mm -hmm. uh, leaving off from the earlier issues, we we find the rest of the team she's assembled, uh, such as the great Lizzie Braddock, coming in after her as she's been sort of captured and framed um, to sort of bust her out, expose the truth, and defeat the immortal jerks trying to uh, make their collective nation uh, something it shouldn't be. If you're one of those people out there who's like, I want more... Peggy Carter. I want more Agent Carter. I want more Captain Carter. Well, you got a book here. It's five (laughs) issues long. It was really good. That last, I think this issue is the one that really sealed it for me. I think Jamie did such a great job writing this whole thing. Um, Loved it. There are like multiple threads, multiple things that have just like, just coalesced in this final issue that just really, really solidified it. All right. For the third pick of the week, I am going and I want to first share with the two of you my screen real quick. You should be able to see a one of my old VHS tapes that I turned to digital. But this is me at 11 years old mm-hmm. or 10 years old with a Predator poster on my oh, wall wow. right here. Again, I was 10 or 11 years old and I loved and had seen Predator. Look at, look at baby Agent M. Yeah, oh with gosh. a little bit of a weird mullet business going on. It was great. Uh, that brings us to the pick of the week, which is Predator number one, written by Ed Brisson, art by Kev Walker, colors by Frank Darmada, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I am so excited that this book is good. We are in a good point for Predator. Uh, as we are recording this, Prey is a couple days away and the reviews are coming in and it's supposed to be real friggin' good. Very excited for that. Uh, huge fan of Predator and Predator 2 and some of the other stuff that they've done. But this is the Marvel's first Predator comic. Predator is 
you know, previously been done by Dark Horse. And so we are getting to dive into the world of these characters, these aliens. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with them, they are aliens with like kind of dreadlock looking hair. They have mandibles. They have these weird faces. They have cool weapons like uh, gauntlets with two blades on them and, and uh, they can turn invisible. They have a ton of weaponry and their goal is to just be the best hunters in the universe. They go around from planet to planet hunting prey. And that's kind of it. Really what makes a great predator story is who they're hunting, the drama around it and building uh, the, the possibility of the predators. Can they do it? Can they not? What are the consequences? What are they hunting? Who are they hunting? And this one is rad because it's set in uh, in sort of a future of humanity that has uh, figured out space travel. And so they're on different planets and different things. We, we open up on this girl who she's with her family. They're doing science stuff and they're they're checking things out. And then she's sort of off on her own. And then her dad just gets shot through the chest. And it's this brutal, brutal panel beautifully executed by Kev Walker, who is one of my favorite artists, just incredible that you just see this man holding a, a blaster and he's like, we got to get out of here. And just this shot goes right through him. There's blood splatter everywhere. And it, the bottom of the page is a really close up of the girl with some of his blood on her face and her eyes wide. It's visceral. It is engaging. Uh, and then it's like the, the book shifts and we get to see where, this girl's path takes her and what that first encounter with a predator means. And so the, the drama of it all comes from this girl, this character and where she's gone, what she's done and how she's engaged with predators. She is the predator. They are the prey. And it's, you know what? It's rad as hell. It's got cool spaceships. It's got cool aliens. It's got, uh, you know, big, big action. It is not a book for little kids unless you were me raised watching predator <laughs> at 10 years old and you're going to be fine big drama there's I, I ed ed burson has done a ton of comics for us uh ed's a pal so i'm very excited to see him back doing some more stuff he's a huge predator fan former marvel comics editor jake thomas was a huge predator fan I remember talking to him about this book i think he sort of thought about this book a lot before he left um so ed being able to take this to the finish line now and tell a, a very compelling predator story with human stakes to it, with big space travel. It's sort of, we get to free ourselves a little bit of limitations in some of the films. It's wide open. There's a lot of possibility. Our budgets are huge in terms of what they can show and what they can tell and what they can do. So it's exciting. And friggin' Kev Walker cannot draw a bad panel. So much emotion, so much action. He goes, you know, when it, when you need the gore and the viscera, he's there. When you need, you know, the big emotion, he's there. When you need the quiet moments, he's there. It's gorgeous. I love this book. All right, Jasmine, we have to get into some awards talk before we get into the rest of the book. So remind us, what was last week's award? Last week's award was the Give Me Metal Award. Um, and I had to read it in that voice because it came from X-Men Red Number 5 from the icon, the one and only Magneto. So good. Such a powerful page. Everybody's read that issue page. and just loses their minds over it. Hell yeah. Like, I mean, we did. Yes. Uh, and the winner of that, the first person to spot it and let us know was Sweets P, a.k.a. House, House of Sweets over on Twitter, who was very early and the yeah. first. And also a newbie. Yeah, as far as we remember, it's the first time we heard from your sweets, so welcome aboard, uh, wow. even if you're a long-time listener. And like many of you properly guessed that it was a Magneto quote, uh, honorable mentions, of course, go to Karis Pollard, who uh, got it and also sent us a great pic of her daughter, oh, Layla. I love seeing Layla. Yeah, the best. Always makes us happy. Uh, and Lex Pendragon thought it might come from Demon Days, which he calls a, quote, Marvelized Spirited Away comic, end quote, which is a great description of mm -hmm. Demon Days. We also got an email from Jason Reentz. He says, yo, I was just engrossed in the X-Men red action of issue number five and noticed the pullest quote. Excellent pace so far. I'm going to finish up after this email. Ryan and Jasmine's reviews are one of the highlights to my week. Thanks for all you do. Just finished up. That was awesome. And he also told us where he's from. And guess what, Ryan? Is that a new, it's new, a new state? Let us know what comic shop you go to so we can shout them out. 
And thank you for that as well. I like the the energy there of starting the email as you're reading the book, mm-hmm. finding the quote, not doing anything, but like just putting your computer or your phone or whatever off to the side and then finishing up afterwards. Yeah. It was a great like little bit of storytelling right there. Hell yeah. I love oh, it. Yeah. And I am currently coloring in Oklahoma. I'm so excited. Okay. We're getting nice. closer and closer to the full United States of Pullist. Um, all right, let's get into the award we have for this week. What do we got? It is another massively powerful quote from another favorite of ours. Uh, this week's award name is the You Dare Touch What Is Namor's Award. Mm, so you'll have to read your books to find out. And if you are the first to find this quote or among the first screen cap it tweeted to at agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. If you are the first or so, uh, maybe I'll send you something. Keep your DMS open, watch your emails. I'll hit you back up. If you are right up there. Yeah. All right. That is again, the, you dare touch what is Namor's award. You're going to have to find that. Let us know, but we're going to give that award now to something from each of the different books um, as we go through it. So lots of comics on sale this week. I'm going to kick us off with amazing Spider-Man number seven. And we've got, you see Norman Osborn. He's on the cover. That's big. That's huge. There's all kinds of possibilities, but I'm going to give the, you dare touch what is Namor's award to the dynamic shift in the way you read this issue at one point. And you're going to have to turn your comic in a different orientation for an exchange that happens in here. And it is a battle between Spidey and one of his longest, oldest foes, but it is done and presented in a way I was like, this is cool. I don't remember experiencing this in this way ever before, which goes to show us that still some of the greatest creators out there, especially John Romita Jr., one of the goats, can continue to uh, amaze and astound us. The next You Dare Touch What Is Namor's, uh, I am going to award to a moment I loved in Avengers number 59, uh, which is out this week, where we have been bopping around in different time periods and sort of interacting with the precursor elements that lead to, to the Avengers we know and love. And in this one, we spend some time with the wonderful Reno Phoenix, um, who has, uh, for me, like a new all-time great staring down the bad guy moment, mm-hmm. um, where he's like, who will remember you? And the, uh, do you dare touch what is Namor's goes to her perfect reply. Because miserable bastards like you, you'll remember. You'll remember the woman who stopped you. Friggin' rad. I love this book. All right, on to Avengers and Moon Girl, number one. Um, I'm going to give my You Dare Touch What Is Namor's award to uh, just sort of like the polychromatic devils in this issue. I will leave it at that. It was a lot of fun. I Look, in my household, dinosaurs rule the roost. My, my kiddo, she loves dinosaurs right now. So anytime I get to see more dinos uh, in fun ways, um, it's just joy for everyone all right next up we have black panther number eight and this issue is the culmination of a battle between the hatut zaraze and black panther's team that he's slowly been recruiting throughout the issues and there's just one moment that i have to give my you dare touch what is namor's award which is this like amazing assist by the dora milaje and storm like i'm gonna split this in half and give one to each player here because the Dora Milaje throw a spear up in the air where Storm catches it and then like you like uses that to kind of like almost like a lightning rod to just shoot down these like Hatuzaraze like flying motorcycles. And it is so badass. It's there's so much momentum in these two pages. Just the team up, the way it's like handled, and like there's no words that happen other than like Wakanda forever. It's so cool and just again highlights why both these players are amazing. The next You Dare Touch What Is Namor's, uh, I am going to give to Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number three. And in full disclosure, the writers of this book, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, are good friends of mine. Uh, so I like to lean on the fact that I, while they are wildly talented, I can't believe how lucky they are to work with Carmen Carnero, 
who is a superstar uh, artist and one of my very favorites, and I really think gets to show off beautifully, along, of course, with Lansing and Kelly. When we get to a central sequence in this, uh, the You Dare Touch What Is Namor's for me goes to uh, the recording that is unlocked in a crucial moment with another unconventional layout in this issue as uh, they have found a new angle of the Captain America mythology to add something to in a way that will help him, you know, both expose old secrets and try to solve the new mysteries that are being revealed in the the plot of this book so far. Um, And it's just the beautiful, clear visual delineation of those flashbacks, the modern day stuff, and all of the meanings that they're unpacking as we learn the other secret of his shield, and more importantly, what he's going to do with it. All right, on to Ghost Rider Vengeance Forever, which is a cool big 50th anniversary celebration issue for Ghost Rider. I'm not giving it my award quite yet, but I do want to shout out the there's a variant cover by Adam and Joe Kubert. So Adam got to do a variant cover uh, with his dad inking it. And um, what's really cool, I remember I saw this on Adam's Instagram a while ago, and he he posted a picture of it. He said, so this is a Ghost Rider cover that I penciled and inked maybe 10 years ago. I inked it over a blue line copy of my pencils. My dad saw I had an extra copy of the blue line and asked if he could ink it for fun. And now we get to see it in print, which is super duper cool. I love that. Um, makes me real happy. But this one, as I mentioned, is a big 50th anniversary celebration of Ghost Rider. So I'm just going to give my You Dare Touch What Is Namors to the cavalcade of Ghost Riders we see in here. We get to see a whole bunch, not all of them, but a whole bunch. Just some cool bad guys that come back, some cool time periods, different time travel. There's a talking tree. There's a really weird tattoo artist, all kinds of fun stuff in this issue. This is like uh, probably like my favorite of the recent Ghost Rider books that we've Mm -hmm. had. It's, It's really fun. Really fun. So cool. All right, next up is the long-awaited giant size Gwen Stacy number one, which if you're if you remember the series, uh, there was only two issues that were printed out. Uh, and this came out right before the COVID pandemic hit. And then the book was put on hold indefinitely. And it took until two years to finally get the rest of this book out. And so the last three issues are combined here as a giant size issue of Gwen Stacy. So if you've been waiting like I have for the past two years, like, oh, here it is. And I'm so excited because I want to give my You Dare Touch What Is Namor's award to literally anybody who had a hand in getting this book out the door because it is awesome. There are so many guests in this issue, everything from the X-Men to the Kingpin to the Green Goblin to Fancy Dan. Um, There's so much going on in this issue and it's great. Hell yeah. All right, we've got Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number three out this week. And look, Torin, we we just... We had to not pick it again. We, did. we would. We love it. It's friggin' great. It's so uh, good. It's so good. Uh, there's like this great moment where the demon Sim bats away Mjolnir. I was like, oh, snap. That is a baller move. But then it just like the, the fight escalates to a point where Thor, Jane Foster Thor, has the like her all weapon in one hand and it's on fire like a mystical flame. And then she has Mjolnir on the other hand. It is bad ass, but I will give my, you dare touch what is Namor's award to just the heartbreak that is, is like all around this issue. It, it just, it is a very upsetting issue. I'll tell you that much. Get ready. Hold on to your booties because it's full of highs and lows, but man, Torin knows how to stab us in the heart. She does that very well in this issue. To heal my heart back up, I'm going to turn to <laughs> Ms. Marvel and Wolverine number one, which is out from writer and once again, full disclosure, pal, uh, but also genius Jody Hauser, um, artist A. Carlos. And the reason I am focusing on that is that my You Dare Touch What Is Namors for Ms. Marvel and Wolverine number one is actually going to go to one particular picture uh, inside this issue, which is a really fun, works as a standalone, just Kamala Khan teaming up with the X-Men to handle some problems, which is fun to read by itself, but also going to lead to some interesting future stories uh, as if you're tracking this along the different uh, one-shots. But my You Dare Touch What Is Namors is actually just going to go to Storm Arriving because she looks rad as heck. 
So thank oh, yeah. you, Z Carlos, because it's a beautiful, beautiful page, and she looks awesome as she should when she is arriving uh, back to Earth to be like, "What? What are we having? We're having a bug swarm. Okay, let's handle it." I'm going to go back to the grim and dark and uh, sad corner of the Marvel universe, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about Punisher number five, uh, which is a doozy. In this book, we start getting a little bit more of a clearer picture on what's going on between the relationship between uh, Frank Castle and the Hand. Um, and we learn a little bit more about their his previous past, both in high school and with his relationship with Maria. And what we learn is what I'm going to give my You Dare Touch What Is Namor's award because it's a gut punch. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to say anymore. You have to read it because it changes everything. How do they make Frank Castle sadder? How is that even possible? <laughs> I, you You hire Jason Aaron to write the book. That's what you do. He's been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah. Oh, oy my God. Oy. All right. I'm going to take the two Star Wars titles we have this week. First up is Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 26. I'm going to give my You Dare Touch What Is Namor's award to a five-page sequence that happens in the middle of this issue that, like, hit me. Man, if you are someone who has or has had a pet in any way, shape, or form... There's a five-page sequence in here which is going to kick you in the gut. And it is beautiful and brutal and sad. And I think Ethan Sachs did a great job writing this. Um, I love Ethan. He's a pal. But this one in particular really connected with me. And then over to Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca number five. And I'm going to... I can't say that... I can't give a one thing away because it would sort of like be a spoiler for things. But... Uh, I will say that my You Dare Touch What Is Namor's award, I will give to the twists and turns that this book has had. Uh, writer Mark Guggenheim, just so good at, you know, swerving us one way and then like bringing us on. And then all of a sudden, whoops, we're going the other way. And what you thought was was actually happening is not actually happening. And then things are going crazy. And then it ends with someone in, in shackles. And then another person shows up. I was like, you do it, Mark. You do it. <laughs> The next book up is Venom Lethal Protector number five. And I am very excited about this one because I am not always a Venom at the top of my list person. I know and love many like diehard Venom stands, um, but you know, he's never necessarily been like my guy. Um, but you, Ivan Fiorelli drawing him makes him suddenly my guy. Like he is so fun to look at. There's just uh, an energy in it. He's one, one of the best looking Venoms I've ever seen. Um, but the actual uh, You Dare Touch What His Name Wars for this issue for me has got to be when we see the assembled threats he's about to face, which is just the most delightful rogues gallery of uh, awesome to potentially slightly pathetic faces um, that we know and love <laughs> from Marvel Comics, uh, assembled as hammers, hammers. <laughs> All right, last new book of the week is X-Men Legends number one, the first issue of this new series of X-Men Legends stories. X-Men Legends will give us uh, stories set in the past of current timeline, but in continuity, tales that sort of you can fit in. This issue in particular occurs between Incredible Hulk number 181 and Giant Size X-Men number one, and then... If you would guess it is a Wolverine-focused issue in, uh, you know, basically picking up right after the events of Wolverine's first appearance in Incredible Hulk and then going on from there. I'm going to give my You Dare Touch What Is Namor's award to Wolverine's little kitty cat outfit. Like, I, I love the whiskers and I really, really, really love the way Dave Wachter draws Wolverine in this. There's a, like, stoutness to Wolverine that really comes across. That original Wolverine costume is, it's it's weird when you think about it the way we visualize Wolverine now, but it looks so cool. It's a lot of fun. Also, Roy Thomas writes this, who is, you know, Marvel legend. So get up on it. That is all we have this week for our fabulous fresh floppies. Uh, but over on the collection side of things, we have a couple different uh, omnibuses. We have a Captain America epic collection, and we also have three Venomibuses, which I think is very clever. <laughs> so um, fun. Volumes one, two, and three. But the ones that I really want to highlight are 
Shang-Chi by Jean Luen Yang, Volume 3, uh, Family Origin, and The Last Annihilation uh, Trade, which is one of the stories that we absolutely loved on the show when it was first being released. All right, let's jump over to Marvel Unlimited. I'll let you know what Infinity Comics are out this week. Uh, those are our vertical scrolling comics available exclusively on Marvel Unlimited. We've got, you know, X-Men Unlimited, Spider-Verse Unlimited, Avengers Unlimited. Uh, I think this is the final issue of Alligator Loki this week, uh, which just the final issue because they, they, they told their story. Maybe we'll get more. You know, we we just announced that there's more. It's Jeff I know. coming. I'm so so things are possible. What uh, I'm hearing is a... that we need to demand it so it can come yes. because we demanded yes. it. Exactly. Got Love it. Unlimited, Vivision, Marvel's Voices, Amadeus Cho. Uh, but in particular, I really, really want to shout out Test Kitchen Infinity Comic because this one is super cool. It's a uh, There's a new character at the heart of this uh, named uh, Chef Anna Amayama who um, gets involved with superheroes and, and Tony Stark. And I won't spoil too much, but it's written by Chef Paul Eschbach and drawn by artist EJ Sue and there's recipes and story in it. And it's like this really cool way of us bringing together the, the world of the culinary arts, which when you go to like, say um, a, a Walt Disney park, right. And you have Avengers campus and you have the different foods there or the different experiences, or we have eat the universe and various different things. Marvel has always been you know, like doing fun stuff with food. This actually gives us a new character who is in that world of food and superheroes. I'm very excited by this. So definitely check that out on MU. We also have some issues that are going to be newly arriving on Marvel Unlimited this week. So there's a bunch of great stuff, but you definitely might want to check out Black Panther Legends number four. If you've been reading the other cat book right now, the Sam Wilson book, uh, and you'd like a little bit more from that writer, you could check out Black Panther Legends number four. Uh, written by Toshi Onyibuchi. You can also this week read Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird number one, continue the current runs of Iron Man and Marauders, and if you want to start something, you could check out Spider-Man 2099 Exodus Alpha number one, or jump into the beginning of Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, with one of those beautiful Phil Noto covers, uh, always worth oh, their weight gorgeous. in gold. Uh, a bunch of great things to dive into this week. Also, out this week uh added to mu we noticed we should be on mu these are being added to the digital services elsewhere out there but the four issue falcon limited series from 1983-1984 written by christopher priest with art by paul smith and md bright i mean this is a go read this right now series it's gorgeous and it's freaking priest rocking and rolling um yeah definitely gotta check that out all right it is time to get into our reading club. Jasmine, set it up for us. All right, we are talking to the creative team behind Spider-Woman and Spider-X, Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez, about multiple different spider books. Um, we're going to be talking about Marvel Team-Up, which stars Spider-Man, and we're also going to be talking about some of the Spider-Woman run and Spider-X stuff that both these two have cooked up in the past couple of months. So very exciting stuff. Uh, listen closely to Carla's background because you might hear uh, some vivid wildlife and background noises. And she lives on a boat, y'all. Yes. She's, she's just, there's like things that are around her. That's so cool. I was not in on this conversation, so I am very excited to hear everything y'all have to say and maybe get some Spider-Woman or marine life secrets. <laughs> And it's the Marvel team-up series from the mid-2000s by Robert Kirkman and Scott Collins in particular. Let's get into it. Yeah. All right, Jasmine, get ready to hit that bleep button real hard because our guests <laughs> this week are Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez. Hello, you two wonderful sweeties. We're, Hello. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get the first Carla cackle out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Patent pending. Yeah. Uh, Carla, you've been on the show a couple times before, but Pere, welcome aboard. We're very excited to Yay. have you. We've talked effusively about you, uh, both with Carla and on our own. So mm -hmm. thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. 
For the audience at home, where are each of you calling us from? I'm calling from the Slippery Pig, uh, which <laughs> is the the boat that I live on uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. So, because I'm a total professional when it comes to podcasts, I'm uh, you know sitting on the deck of the boat. So, uh, just like a few minutes ago, there were a bunch of seagulls all fighting over an entire pizza that apparently someone had <laughs> tossed overboard. So we we might get some fun background noises like that. Uh, Love it. I'm calling from Barcelona. All my neighbors are on vacation. I'm alone at home and I'm in my underwear. So it's way more boring than, than Carla's location. Until the seagulls show up. <laughs> Peter, we haven't had you on the show yet. I know, Carla, we've gotten your story how you got into comics. Peter, I want to know how you got into comics and then how you ended up at Marvel. It's a long, boring story. <laughs> but the short version is I wanted to be a um, physical education teacher <laughs> when I was younger. And I had an, an injury on my foot. So I realized I couldn't pass the tests required. And also I had surgery on, my, on, on that foot, which made me stay at home and being bored. So I started reading comics again and started drawing and I realized that I enjoyed that more than the other thing. So I went that way and since I was 14, I've, I've never stopped. From talking to Carla before about Spider-Woman, I know that like you've incorporated some of that physical activity into your artwork. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Well, I study Kung Fu and some other martial arts. And for a guy that, like me that's sitting at home all day, it's pretty much useless. So all that knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only to keep me healthy, but I, it's pretty rare that I get into a fight. I was really proud of how we incorporated New York into the series, like with the fight scenes and everything. I know for 13, I, I literally sent you a map to show like, okay, this is where Spider-Woman's apartment is. This is the train that she is going to be on uh, when they're having the subway fight. This is where she gets, like, they've run through these blocks to get to the ferry from there. Then they're on the ferry over to uh, Jersey. And then, like, they're driving. This is the route to Newark from there that the monster truck will take. <laughs> and then they crash the monster truck into the airport. And it was it was awesome because you did such a great job of finding all of the reference shots. But it just it, like to me, it's like I, I love when we can kind of pinpoint that type of stuff, even though I did make you draw a horse being thrown <laughs> at someone in that issue. If, if you make me laugh when I'm reading the script, uh, I mean, for anything, no matter how difficult it is, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask though, because like there are some ridiculous things that happen in this Spider Woman run. <laughs> oh, a few. And yeah, I, I, guess. I know. I mean, and I love it. I'm obsessed. Um, but <laughs> was there ever a moment where Carla sent you something? You're like, "There's no way. There's no way I can draw this." Not really. I think we still have a lot of nonsense to to get of our systems. I think it was what issue four, issue four or five where I'd written a five-panel page. Oh, yes. Four. <laughs> I was going, Peta, just turns it into this, one of the best pages ever, but it's 13 panels. <laughs> so, so all of a sudden, like, I'm like, I get the lettering pass, like, you know, and it's like, oh, we need this back right away. And I'm just like, ah, crap. I got to go back and write, like, 13 panels worth of dialogue <laughs> and sound effects to, uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> like, that's teamwork though he, oh no it's like he, he had to go and make it look really really good and now I have to go back and like make it make sense <laughs> I think they they shut the series at the right moment because we were starting to get too crazy with the sound effects <laughs> yeah, oh God, yeah it was it, John, yeah honestly it probably was the sound effects that uh, we, <laughs> we 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 kind of started just like completely going off the train uh, tracks with, with ours, our onomatopoeia that you and I got to the point where we were, uh, once again, scheming behind everyone's back where uh, Pera is like, 
okay, like I'd send the script in. He's like, what's the sound of like someone getting punched in the chest? And I was like, boo. (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, like on the show, we give awards out for like a moment or something in the books. And I I can remember at least twice where I picked a sound effect to give an award to from this book. (laughs) Because like they just always stood out to me. Yeah. Thinking about just how wonderful the two of you are and how bonkers and uh, (laughs) just like conspiratorial you are. Was working together the first time you had met or were you had had you known each other prior to coming onto Spider-Woman? No, uh, I didn't even know who the artist would be until after I'd sent in that very first script. And that very first script, which basically opened with, okay, so I need you to draw a boat filled with uh, teenagers dressed as every character in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) And then later, uh, a helicopter will be exploded. And so the fact that Peta didn't immediately just like chuck the script out of the window and like go back to being a PE teacher uh, <laughs> was uh, that that was uh, that was amazing and then and then he just completely killed on it it was amazing I'm gonna cry oh <laughs> not really <laughs> <laughs> I've I've always been like in Carla we talked about this when we were when we talked about Bendis's Spider Woman but like I've always been a huge Spider Woman fan and I remember like previous to this like we had what was it uh Dennis Hopeless Helms mm-hmm. and Javier Art? Rodriguez yeah, yeah which was Javier fantastic Rodriguez. and I remember mm-hmm. being like so bummed to see that like the motorcycle jacket go away and I was like who are these people jumping on this book like I've never read it <laughs> and I'll never forget like you guys just won me over in like a single issue where I was like I'm in and like it has easily become like my favorite Spider Woman. Like when I think of Spider Woman, like it's this. Oh, thank now. you. Oh, thank well, you. Well, yeah. it's all good except for the Roger of it all. Oh yeah, we got a Roger lover over here. Wow. Unlike uh, uh, unlike Jessica Drew. <laughs> wow. Brutal. Got him. Brutal. Yes. Remember got him. that we didn't get to do to Roger as much as we wanted to. So yeah. be happy with yeah. that. Let's shift gears a little bit. We'll come back to, we'll talk about Spider-X, of course, but uh, this is one of our reading clubs and it's, we're not talking about Spider-Woman necessarily. We are talking about Marvel Team-Up, which is, uh, who who shows this and, and tell us why? Um, so first, I, I'm going to tell something just so you guys can see how much of an idiot I am. Great. So <laughs> when we were discussing which book to talk, I proposed uh, Marvel Team-Up because I remember enjoying it. I read it years ago. So I started reading yesterday in Spain. It was collected in two volumes, like I've got it here. Mm -hmm. But I somehow started reading number two. (laughs) And I didn't realize until 30 minutes before recording (laughs) where I I read a caption like, Titanus, see issue one. And like, what? What? Issue one? I don't remember. And then I realized, and I read in half an hour, I read the six issues we were supposed to talk about now. Petty, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to choose this one? Because we, we kind of went through a couple different options, and this was like the, yeah. the one that you finally landed on. I didn't remember exactly what happened, but I remember liking it a lot. And, and now that I've read it again, Kirkman way of, of writing he just nails the, the character. In volume two, where he meets uh, Invincible, which is another series that <laughs> I love, and it's yeah. heavily inspired by by the first Spider-Man comics, you can see his love for Spider-Man. When you see Invincible, that's his creation with Spider-Man and the way the chemistry between them works. He knows them perfectly. And also, he's a very uh, logical writer. He's sort of the, the anti-Carla. <laughs> <laughs> which is all gut <laughs> and fuck logic, which I love, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Um, but it's a, like a different uh, writing style that works perfectly for the kind of story he, he tells. What I like about it is this series, like this run specifically is the type of thing that I love 
reading in comics and I love writing in comics. And that is leaving the little trail of breadcrumbs throughout the entire story that's going to lead up to something bigger. And to me, that's one of the greatest strengths of comics. Like, like you can kind of do that in TV shows. You can't do it really too much in movies. <clears throat> and you can sort of do it in books. But I think it works best in comics where each issue will just have like the one page with Titanus. And like, yeah. so everything just starts building up to a greater story. And it does it so well in this. I think that's one of my favorite parts about it. Also, you can you can pick any issue you want, and 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 you like it if you haven't read the the previous ones. Everything yeah. is sort of self-contained, but at mm -hmm. the same time, he's leaving all those breadcrumbs that yeah. show show up so late in the series that you don't realize you missed the first volume when you were reading. Again, like yeah, because that's the stuff that makes you want to go back and reread it. That's yeah, like. I mean, I was I was trying to do that with our Spider Woman of leaving those little breadcrumbs so people who go back are like, oh, now I get it, now I get it. It makes you want to go back and reread it, you know, because it only took you three minutes the first time. <laughs> and also, I think you you and and Kirkman share one one thing that. You guys play to the strengths of the artists you're working with. I think what you're saying about leaving the breadcrumbs and sort of like letting things breathe and, and play out over time, I think is such a great classic Marvel feel. And that's why it, it, it works in that way. I think that that's so good. And what you're talking about, Pere, is is so true. Like Scott Collins he does such great detail, especially at this point in his career. He's so beautifully tight and the detail is really so like is everywhere especially on that opening splash of the oh, first yeah. issue you've mm -hmm. got wolverine webbed up with his hands uh, his knuckles at his forehead so he can't pop his claws it's just you've got the cityscape behind him it's got beautiful colors in here by studio f it's it all comes together and it's just it's such a great first page and then you flip it and has one of my favorite spider-man things is spider-man upside down eating donuts. It is a thing that Todd <laughs> McFarlane drew that I loved as a kid and seeing it, seeing it again here, I was like, that is just such a, a joyful New York Spider-Man moment. It made me mm -hmm. so happy to see that. These kind of cutaway things or these breadcrumbs, like you're talking yeah. about, like a good example of this also is an issue too, where you see the, in the middle of the fight where Wolverine and Spidey are fighting the, the golden child. Spider-Man at the end of the, that page says like, hey, like, hold on, let me, let me think of something. And then the, the following page is like a random Doom page. And you're just like, what is this? Like, yeah, and all yeah. it is is just Dr. Doom's like standing up and being like, Richards. And you're just like, oh, oh okay. Like that came out and of then, nowhere. And then next issue, you realize that wasn't exactly. Doom. No, yeah, exactly. You want to go back and you want to like complete like the puzzle pieces. But the other thing I think that Kirkman does so well here is that he uses those moments to kind of show the passage of time. Yeah, and, and then when Spider-Man and uh, Paul end up back at that house, like, it's a, oh. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what he was doing. That's what, mm -hmm. oh, that's why Wolverine was there. And you feel so excited because all of a sudden you feel smart because it's like, oh, I just figured out a mystery that mm -hmm. I didn't even know existed. And that's brilliant writing because you're making the reader think they figured something out that you actually wrote deliberately. <laughs> For me, that's yeah. the difference between a, a, a good writer and an excellent writer. That a good writer shows you how smart he is and an excellent writer makes you believe that you're the smart one. That, and Kirkman yeah. does that. Uh, perfectly, because he, he gives a lot of information without being too specific. You feel the, the, the passing of time without him saying anything. So it may go mm -hmm. unnoticed for, for some uh, readers, but it's mm -hmm. the toughest thing to, to get. I'm just currently flipping through issue two, and the issue two starts with like a splash of like Nova just flying through New York, and you're like, what is this? Like Nova wasn't in the last issue. Like what is this? And it's mm -hmm. only just to set up a, a joke that like Wolverine cracks in the next on the next page where he's like, yeah, like why are you staring at me? I'm wearing a superhero costume. Like you act like you don't see Darkhawk and like yeah, Speedball every time you're in New York City. Like come on now, <laughs> Kirkman just really nails Spidey's voice. 
of like it's a really good Spider-Man. The the one that is just kind of like, why does no one listen to me? Like he's mm-hmm. just constantly talking in the background and people are just ignoring like even Captain America is like, No, I don't hate you. I just yeah. find I find you kind of annoying though, to be honest. <laughs> I enjoy <laughs> those those little uh, beats where he's in the school and the other teacher is hitting on him. Oh my god. Oh, god. And so when the, awkward. when the god. students make fun of him, that's where you get to see the the real Peter and, and his his reactions are spot on. Like when yeah. the other teacher tell him how hot he is his wife <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm lucky. So it's, and, yeah, and it's on character, there's... completely on character. One of the fun things I, I enjoyed is the non-essential, just superfluous little cameos and different things like Nova flying by, Moon Knight swinging by, mm-hmm. and it like re-energizing that feeling of the Marvel Universe is just this like roiling thing that our stories all take place in and and our camera shoots over here and whoop this guy goes by that feeling of like we were we were having a conversation recently jasmine and i about like the world outside your window and it it sort of works both ways it's like we have to feel Mm. like we are part of the marvel universe but the marvel universe also needs to feel like it's part of its greater tapestry and i think this achieves that in really fun ways and subtle ways. I feel like all of the stories that are set, especially like in New York and, you know, like, especially like, you know, with the Spider-Man stories, like that does tie all in together and like really builds, you know, the, the rich tapestry that is the Marvel universe. Uh, Like you said. Um, And it's fun because we've got all these little toys in the toy box that we can pop up at any time. And we get a whole wide variety of characters. I love alternate mm-hmm. reality versions. So that the, the doom y'all talked about that character bringing in, you know, this X 23 and like the very specific time frame for X 23 yeah. when mm-hmm. she was wearing the Fang costume, which mm-hmm. is like, I don't know that it was going on for like three months or it felt like yeah. in, in, it was in so short. It was so short. Um, That's a she, good, it was a great costume. Though. It's like, so I good. Think... I love that. That Fang I... character, the Shi'ar characters, is uh is fun so i'm glad that they use this for that little while but yeah it's it's really it's neat just to see the breadth of everything that gets to play into the storyline it was fun because there were just enough hints at what was going on yes in whatever universe it was like we've got you know i mean saying oh we've got jerk tony stark doesn't really narrow it down but we've got jerk tony stark from a, a different timeline a different universe and it's like, oh, I, I love Natasha. It's like, and I killed you. You know, it's like, now I get yeah. to do it again. Uh, you know, it's like, Steve, like, I missed you so much. Uh, Reed, you are always a jerk. And so you kind of get like these hints at what this other world, you know, may have looked like. But also without, like the, you know, the major threat that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. he's aware of. He's like, oh, this is before Titanos is like attack, like or the war of Titanos, and you're like, what does he know that I don't know? Like yeah. that's the brilliant part because he he does it on the last three or four pages of of the issue, mm-hmm. so he's setting you up for the next six issues or something. I think yeah, it, yeah. It last- so you were talking about like what happened in Tony's like alternate reality, like how. Kirkman kind of just sprinkles that across, but like in, in going back to that suit that X-23 was wearing, like you also get moments of what's happening in the universe, like the Marvel universe at the time, like Mar- or Avengers Disassembled gets mentioned, Astonishing X-Men gets mentioned. You get all these sprinkles where like, you're like, oh, like I know exactly where in the timeline this takes place. I mean, reading it now, but I can only imagine it would be fun then. In the next volume, uh, the, the new Avengers show up. So... Yeah, that's right. You get the, the, the sense of when everything was written. And what else is going on in the Marvel Universe is, of course, Spider-Rex yes. in some Marvel Universe. Uh, Spider-Rex is wild. I The fact that this exists makes me so happy from so a comic. Um, but so Spider-Rex, brand new character to the Marvel stories, first appeared in the recent Edge of Spider-Verse issue. Um how how did this come together? Uh, so, you know, I love spiders. I love dinosaurs. I love 
dinosaurs punching possibly other dinosaurs. Uh, they asked, uh, like, would you like to uh, do a spider Rex story? And uh, and I was like, yeah, uh, can I have PETA on it? And they're like, he's too busy. I go, can I have PETA on it? And like, he, he's really busy right now. He's doing amazing work on Iron Cat. I go, I know. Can I have PETA on it? Uh <laughs> Like I can do it if, if Peta can do it, and because we, we need to draw dinosaurs together and spider Cut dinosaurs to, together. Cut to, uh, we have a conversation, and I'm like, what are you doing now? Eh, something about a T-Rex and Spider-Man, and it took me like 30 seconds to email <laughs> our editor Nick, like, hey, can I be on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Carla, what's your what was your reaction when you see the page in your inbox of the panel where Spider Rex is thwipping? Because that one, I lost it the first time I looked I at that. It. I was like, those tiny little arms, the the webs coming there, and then the, just that little that thwip right there. I was like, beautiful. Did you notice? <laughs> did you notice something on the thwip sound effect? Is the Jurassic Park font? <laughs> so yes i had fun with that panel too well and then the the actual swinging through the the jungle forest <laughs> yeah. is it's such a beautiful visual it's just, no pata uh. just drew the hell out of it it was amazing it was everything i could have dreamed of but uh i because it's carla there was a very uh darker version and a darker ending that uh darker oh, than no. the ending that's in here yeah oh yeah oh, oh yeah. yeah oh my original script was uh for tur to have waken up uh having accidentally eaten uh uncle Baden in his sleep oh my god like he had a dream about eating jelly donuts. Don't ask why there were jelly donuts in the Mesoceric uh, <laughs> period. Uh, I would have made it work. That was kiboshed quite vehemently <laughs> by by poor long-suffering Nick Lowe, uh, because he was like, "This is going to be for kids." I go, "The kids I know love dinosaurs eating people and other dinosaurs. Like the only way we could make this more popular is if." Spider-Rex like ate someone and then like pooped them out like they would find that <laughs> comedy gold just for the record my son preferred the the Nick ver Nick's version okay that's fine that's fine I'm really happy with with what we got to do like I I think we got a lot of fun and a lot of history into five pages and i'm i'm pretty delighted with it <laughs> and i just such great acting Peta on, you know, like that the shot of Tur like crying and so sad. And then the next panel of Aranya. It's it's something I always find when, when I work with, with Carla, that every page or, or every few pages, there's a huge challenge. Like <laughs> having to make the dinosaurs act. It it was a tough one. So when when I'm challenged to do something that I don't think I'm capable or that's going to be hard for me. Then I try harder. And then most of the times the results are better. So I think that's why we work so well together because I, I don't have time to get bored with Carla. <laughs> every, every page, there's a new thing that I have to think like, how am I going to do this? And trying to figure out makes me grow. There's a, a boat that's starting right next to me. So you guys should talk really quickly while I mute that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think that's a good point for us to wrap up. I'm waiting for the next uh, collaboration between the two of you and seeing Please. what other madness you unleash upon the Marvel universes. Uh, it's going to be great. Well, well, whatever it is, uh, I'm sure it will be absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. Yes. Thank Thanks, you both. guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank Thanks for having us on. Sorry about the really loud boat noises in the background. Uh, I'm on a boat. Big thanks once again to Carla and Peta. Uh, just the two of them are big goofs, oh my big God. energy, yeah. big everything. I absolutely love them. Um, and also, I wanted to quickly thank Amy. Amy Dallin, this was yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, on the show. 
what a joy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I, it is basically my favorite thing to talk about some exciting comics coming out. So thank you for letting me indulge that. And yeah. look, you get to read them early. How yeah. fun is that? I, a treat. A treat. Where can people find more about you? You can find me everywhere online at Enthusiamy. That's E-N-T-H-U-S-I-A-M-Y. Or you can check out everything I'm working on over at D&D Beyond as I connect with Jasmine after this podcast <laughs> to make sure that I get you all the way down that road into the world of Dungeons & Dragons. I will be honest. I have a Dungeons & Dragons box that is still in its... It's still sealed. In a, I bought it. I'm a similar boat to Jasmine, so I, yeah, it's so you have a future treasure. I love it. You're yes, ready. It's true. It's true. Yes. All right. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Kara McGurk Allison. Jill Duboff is our director of audio, and Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List senior manager of audio production and development. And at one point, Brad had dreadlocks, and when someone was like, "Hey, dude, that's culturally inappropriate," he's like, "I'm just a predator, man. Just yeah. a predator." And then he ran and he shaved them right off. So good job, Brad. Thank true you story. for recognizing. Yeah. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And I'm Amy. Thanks so much for having me. This is Marvel. Your universe.